But when we start thinking about kids going back to school and opening up the economy, a lot of it will depend on whether or not we as Canadians are adhering to social distancing rules. And a recent Ipsos poll carried out on behalf of Global News has found that fewer Canadians are saying that they actually are adhering to strict physical distancing measures. A sharp increase of 13 points from last month of Canadians that say they are not adhering to those measures. Joining me on the line is Daryl Bricker with Ipsos. Hi, Daryl. How are you? Doing great, Alan. How are you? I'm good. How's your golf game? Uh, I'm feeling a little better about it than obviously you are, but I think it hates everybody, Alan. It's not not (laughs) exclusive to us. Uh, well, well, we'll turn our mind to uh, opening of the economy in just a moment, but let's take a look at this polling information and what it tells us about, you know, Canadians' fatigue with these social distancing measures and guidelines. Yeah, well, almost 40% of us are saying that we're not actually following them as strictly as we're supposed to be following them. And uh, as you correctly pointed out, it's up about 13 points from the, the last time we asked it last month. But this is generally um, a good symbol of what's happening with the issue. Uh, is that it's almost like a spring thaw, kind of like we're going through with our weather right now. You can see the cracks forming on the lake as, as the ice is about to go away, and, uh, uh, and and you're certainly seeing that in terms of people's behavior, uh, where they really do want get, to get, get back to something that resembles uh, a normal life. I think that's interesting because if, if we do get what many predict, which is a second wave, and then we actually have to revert to stronger lockdown measures as we ease them now, as we're beginning to ease them, I think the question is going to be whether or not you'll get the kind of uptake that you've had in the past from Canadians. Yeah, and it's interesting. That's one of the things that we're really taking a look at these days. And there are some areas of our our previous activity that we're very, very tentative about. Things like, for example, flying to another country or planning an out-of-country vacation or going to, uh, you know, any sort of uh, mass events like a concert or uh, or a sporting event. We're very tentative about that. But things like going to restaurants, eh, we're more open-minded about that. You know, maybe going to parks or doing um, things that are sort of more everyday type activities in, sl- in smaller types of environments. We're, we're pretty open to, to that uh, and getting more open every day. But those bigger things where, you know, you know potential for mass infection is there, we're, we're very tentative on those. We have seen other polling information that suggests that Canadians are kind of freaked out about the idea of even going outside. And and you wonder that as governments begin to lift these restrictions, you know, even if we did get to a point where we were allowed to gather more, I think there's a lot of people who would just say, I just don't feel comfortable with that at all. Well, that's one of the things we're going to figure out as we go through this is how much of this is temporary and situational. And how much of it is a permanent change in behavior? And the answer is we just don't know. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there speculating about, you know, uh, this is going to change air travel forever. Or this is going to change vacations forever. And, you know, people are going to be wearing masks forever. We, we, we simply don't know. Uh, there's too few data points and too little experience. Uh, so uh, I, I think that generally there's a fair amount of anxiety about restarting our lives without things like, for example, particularly a vaccine or uh, real confidence that there's a lot of testing available out there so we can control the spread of it. But, the, you know, you've got that risk balanced up against this pent-up demand to, to reemerge from our houses that uh, it's going to be an interesting period of flux as we go through it over the next couple of months. Yeah, and I... And I... 
I always caution people to not draw, you know, direct comparisons to what happened in 1918. But the last time, you know, we had a worldwide pandemic, a major worldwide pandemic of, of the Spanish flu. You think of, you, you know, what happened in the lockdowns and the, the, the different measures, different world, obviously. But then, you know, within a couple of years, the world reverts to pretty much the way it was. So I, it's difficult to say that this will be long-term impact, maybe short-term in terms of, you know, 18 months to two years. Yeah, you get a lot of speculation these days that say, you know, this has changed us forever. There may be some aspects of this that have changed forever. They're just very difficult to predict. So every the world was supposed to have changed after 9-11. There were some things that changed, for example, airport, airport security. But how much did the rest of our lives change in Canada? Not very much. Um, and uh, we reverted back to our previous behaviors uh, very quickly. In fact, things like air travel went way, way up and we're really, um, you know, still continuing to go up as we started into this. So the answer is too few data points, too little time. Keep your powder dry. We're going to see where this is going to go. But there may be some elements that relate to certain types of activities where there's going to be more work that needs to be done. You you talk about a, a vaccine or some kind of treatment. What's your polling information telling you right now about whether or not a, a vaccine could be or should be made mandatory? Oh, well, that's that's a really interesting finding. So what we're finding right now is uh, I think the number was 72% uh, say that they should have a mandatory vaccine. Now, that says, first of all, that almost you know, very almost three quarters of us support that idea. But there's still almost a third of us that don't. And there's probably two elements to that. One of them is the kind of anti-vaccine idea, which I think is the smaller part of this. The other part is the mandatory idea uh, that government's telling you that you need to do something. So there's probably more of a discussion on the benefits of this that needs to take place. Some people you're never going to be able to convince because it's an ideological position. But the people that you're telling it's mandatory, you have to, you have to explain to them why it's mandatory. Uh, and finally, what are you seeing on the uh, Premier's approval rating on Premier Doug Ford? Uh, consistently the highest that he's ever seen. I mean, stratospheric, we have him at 82% in terms of his approval right now. Uh, and this is somebody who... Uh, three months ago was was tracking in the mid-20s. So some people have really come out of this and shown another a face, I would say, to the public. They've been able to reintroduce themselves and, and, uh, and really connect with the population at this time. Doug Ford's been one of those people. Doesn't hurt that he makes a mean cheesecake, apparently. Yeah, and he's doing that that kind of thing particularly well where it seems like spontaneous and real for him, where there are some other politicians that seem to be trying just a little bit too hard. Um, but uh, um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's found a way to develop a voice that Ontarians like through the course of this. How long it will last is hard to say, but right now it seems to be going very well for him. Yeah, and contrast that too. I mean, watching the pre- the Prime Minister again today as he doesn't answer questions, his you know, his inability to kind of skate away from a question without drawing attention to the fact that he's not answering the question, I, I think, is beginning to hurt the prime minister. What are the numbers telling you there? Uh, his numbers are down a little bit, but not uh, that badly. He's down to about 72. I mean, I think the highest we had him was 74 or 75. But those are still the best numbers that he's ever experienced. But, uh, you know, Doug Ford in Ontario is at 82. And we never used to see that. Justin Trudeau was way ahead of him. Uh, the prime minister, I think, is suffering from the situation where he's had so much communications training that he can't help but communicate. And people don't necessarily respond well to communications in this type of environment. They want somebody to actually talk to them. 
It's a very different thing. Doug Ford seems to have figured out how to talk to people. Justin Trudeau's having a harder time. Daryl Bricker from Ipsos, always great to have you on the program. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me on.